When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letitia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Kevin the Moscomish Milton. Find me on Twitter at Moscomish. And me, Ray Hunt. You can find me on at RayHunt84. Follow the show on at Number Podcast on Twitter. And on Facebook, Instagram and Telegram on In That Number Podcast. Email us with your thoughts and feelings on in that number podcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, consider sharing your support by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Let's march on in. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is episode 229, back again with another painful loss to cover. Uh, we're certainly uh, still smarting from this one, um, becoming a very unwanted trait. That two losses in a week, uh, the third loss in four. Not only did our streak of 25 end, uh, but our impressive home record has fallen twice this week taking our total losses on the season to seven, four of which at home. Um, is this a concern or just another one of those bumps in the road? Uh, today we have the Moscow-mish Kevin Milberton. Say hello, Kevin. Hello. And Tim Bazance. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. We'll be focusing on the latest defeat, uh, this time to lowly Millwall. Uh, we shall reflect on um, how this happened and whether things will turn back when Flynn Downs returns. Uh, that, that could be as soon as Wednesday uh, as we attempt to do the impossible to take down Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, and then we head to St Andrews, hoping to get back on track to those important automatic promotion spots. Kevin, um, I hope you're well, because uh, this, this bit of good luck that you've been bringing us has well and truly come to an end. I mean, you, you ventured to Southampton twice this past week and 
on both occasions you've gone away an unhappy man. Yeah, last three visits to St Mary's we conceded seven now, so um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not that uh, good omen that we all thought it was. No, in fact you, you were in Southampton for the Ipswich and Leicester losses as well, weren't you? Yeah, so uh, does that mean I've seen all of the times we've lost this season? Yep, but I mean you've seen more wins, haven't you? So definitely. Yeah. Uh, and Tim, yeah, Tuesday was was bad enough to endure, but. It's easy to put that one down as a one-off because and, and you know Hull were good and they deserved everything, but Millwall Millwall didn't really deserve it and this is kind of like a hard one to swallow and I guess well how did we let this happen and the manner that we did I think we've been found out and whatever Bristol City did and whatever um, Liam Manning set up to us uh, and was able to press from the middle I think they found the and exposed what was the our weakness in the midfield especially without downs, which a lot of people are talking about. Uh, combine that with, uh, you know, luck was on our side for a lot of times, and things are just ultimately catching up. So to, to me right now, I think it's called regressing to the mean, and playing at the third or fourth best team in the championship sounds about right, uh, especially with how hot leads have been. It, it doesn't scare me, but... I want to be better than where we're at now. Yeah, not only have we had to sit through and, and endure this, this recent slump in, in a cold, wet Southampton, but we've had to, you know, rewatch the games. We've had to take notes. Then we get to discuss it on the podcast and then spend far too much time editing. If that is not worth a coffee, then I don't know what is. And then you have to think of poor old Tim, who's, uh, who's up early, ready to discuss this shit uh, from 6am at your time, isn't it, Tim? So... You know, that's got to be worth a coffee, right? So win, lose or draw, we are always here for you. So, yeah, if you would like to support the show uh, by buying us a coffee, then you can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. And a massive thank you to everyone who's supported us so far. Um, And also join our Discord. It's a free Discord, so you can get involved with us, uh, chats, predictions uh, and just general chat. A lot of uh, welcoming Saints fans in there. Uh, We've got some questions through the week brought to you by Tom. Uh, which we get to discuss on the show, whatever your opinion. Um, So, yeah, if you would like to get involved, get in touch through our various means of communication and we'll get you on ITN News then, chaps. This is ITN In That Number News. Okay, uh got some sad news to start with we want to pay our tributes to to chris nickel they're all pouring in that was um yeah sad news that i woke up to we'd all like to pass on our condolences to the family and he was only at st mary's in january apparently he was out there for the cup game uh, against uh, warsaw who we also managed um so yeah he signed for saints in 1977 he played 228 times uh, then he returned to manage in 1985 responsible for giving matt letiz and shearer their debuts as well so yeah really really sad news obviously he's, he's managed warsaw as well from 94 to 97 assistant manager for the northern ireland team which he achieved his 51 caps between 1974 and 1983 but yeah very sad but i mean at least he passed away peacefully so they say that's one positive of uh, saints stalwart that um yeah, would be sadly missed. Yeah, the next bit of news is also not good. It's uh, Ryan Fraser, his injury. Bad news just keeps piling on at the moment, doesn't it? So he was on the field for about 20 minutes against Millwall, and he went off with a knee injury. Uh, apparently, he left St Mary's on crutches, so there's no chance of him being ready for Liverpool. Uh, but they're saying that it's just going to need to be assessed further. 
but no doubt by the time that this episode comes out this will be old news and we'll you know we'll have a bigger picture of the time scale but yeah it's just awful isn't it when when things are going bad they just seem to be getting worse and um, i've got a quote from russell martin actually he said we man comes off and we lost a lot we lost a lot of running and threat of assists and goals i've, I've not got a clue at the moment how bad it is he won't be available for the liverpool game with the way that he is he is on crutches so yeah we're going to miss a very very valuable player for a while when we kind of like need him the most now, don't we? Yeah, with this this heavy fixture build up, he's turned out to be a very useful player. So yeah, he's going to be missed and knee injuries. Um, I don't think they're quick things at all. So uh, yeah, that might be him out even for as long as the rest of the season. Oh, if that's the case, then he won't ever play for us again. We might not ever play for us again if he does it. Then that's a possibility, possibly. isn't it? Mm, I don't know. What do you what do you see about the time scale with this one, Tim? It's unknown. Uh, obviously, when you when you go out and you walk out on crutches, that could be just a preliminary. You don't know what's going to happen, and you want to mitigate and control what is the swelling uh, from the injury. Uh, or it could be a truly broken bone where you're out for a long period of time. Uh, so it depends on the analysis when it comes from it. To me, he was able to walk off and walk off. Was it comfortably, but walk off in a way that his gait wasn't changed. So if he had some sort of foot or ankle issue, it didn't it didn't scare me all that much. Uh, I could still see him coming back sometime later this season, but yeah, I don't. I mean, if you you're saying you're walking off on crutches, the likelihood of you coming back uh, on Wednesday is very low. And with Fraser being the mature guy that he is. He was the one guy that I was really hoping for to to be excited to watch against Liverpool play because of his experience and knowing the team and knowing the Premier League and what it takes to play against uh, a team like Liverpool. He is going to be a big miss, like Kev said as well, like the the, the fixture congestion at the moment. It's, you need everyone, and especially when he's one of our best players. And yeah, we did lose a lot. I think Russell Martin was right. We lost a lot on Saturday as well. So we, we have a question uh, on the Discord from Tom this week, um, and it was... It's about Flynn Downs, um, and Russell Martin had said that he was making a decision on Flynn Downs for his involvement against Millwall. Um, so his question was, do we think that he held him back with Liverpool in mind? Uh, and if so, has he inadvertently prioritised FA Cup over league? This is an interesting one, Tim. Where do you stand on this? Well, I think the injury more so takes precedent rather than the actual timeline of the games. The last thing we want to do is you know, get a niggling injury that can become persistent and get worse. And he felt that based on the medical teams providing that pushing it off and giving it three, two, three, four more days of healing is going to be better for him. So I think it's more unfortunate timing that we just happen to be playing Liverpool on Wednesday, which is what's leading, which is why you could say, oh, are you prioritizing the, the FA Cup? No, I think you're prioritizing his his, uh, his recovery schedule. I hope that's right. I mean, but I, I was just, you know, imagining Russell Martin saying that, oh, you know, look, guys, we've got a strong enough midfield. We've got Fraser, we've got Brooks, we've got, we've got Shea, we've got Adam Armstrong, uh, we've got Stu Armstrong, we've got Rebo. They're all in form. We definitely have enough to overcome a poor Mill side at home under a new manager. We don't need to risk downs enough for, an, you know, another game. So let's leave him out entirely and get him 100% ready for Liverpool. That, to me, Kev, that sounds quite likely. So, yes, I think he did. But, I mean, I don't think it's a question of prioritising one competition over another. I just think he thought that we'd have enough with or without 
Flynn Downs, and as arrogant as that sounds. What's he saving Flynn Downs for? Liverpool or Birmingham? Uh, well, we'll find out, won't we? If he's if if he's starting against Birmingham, uh, if he starts against Liverpool, whenever player's been out for a, a, a period of time, they always you know phase him back into the team, don't they? But if he decides to put him straight in from the off against Liverpool, then it, then why couldn't he have put him on the bench? against Millwall. Yeah, yeah, these things are definitely good questions. I mean, has he talked recently since the match about um, Downs' recovery? No, not that I've heard. I haven't heard anything. No. Stufa said on the Discord, actually, I think we have to realise that Downs is great when he plays, but we can only rely on him 60% of the time. And when we don't have him, the replacement in Smallbone or Rothwell is nowhere near as good. Uh, if I am Russell Martin, I'm literally putting a second string side out on Wednesday and getting the fans back on side with a strong win against Birmingham. So he's pretty much saying, let's just ease off on the Liverpool one a little bit and then go all out for, for Birmingham. In the cup, basically. Yeah, and then, you know... I don't think so. You, you'd go all out in the, in, the, in the cup. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity, you know, especially with uh, Liverpool having played 120 minutes, mostly with kids um, in that League Cup. Uh, final the weekend so whoever they put out yeah not going to be fully rested um not necessarily going to be up for it it is an opportunity now yeah you're right it It is is. obviously this question was before the liverpool uh chelsea went to 120 minutes and knowing that they've got a apparently they've got no uh players fit enough to to play yeah uh under 21s uh they played horndean fc on tuesday uh, she's at a 20 if that was and that was the men's senior cup at the snow stadium they won 4-1 and they've moved into the semi-finals uh, it was an own goal alex Stepian iwameni and a double from uh silla de Baga. yeah so the semi-finals is a way to uh afc porchester um and the next game is in the cup uh, sorry is in the league back to the premier league two and it's west brom away on monday the 4th of march um the women Brilliant win last week. Uh, Birmingham away. Massive, massive three points. They went one nil down as well. Then goals from Molly Pike and Katie Wilkinson uh, to get the job done. That was at St. Andrews. Yeah, as I say, crucial win. And they sit third in the table and they're just one point off the league leaders, Sunderland. And next up, they have Sunderland away on Sunday, the 3rd of March. What, What a key game this is. You know, a win could take us to the top of the league. And Crystal Palace are in second. But they top us on goal difference and they have to go uh, to Birmingham. So, yeah, massive weekend in the women's championship coming up. So, uh, yeah, that's the weekend of the 3rd of March. So look out for that. Um, and the under 18s lost to West Ham away 2-1. Nick Oyakunle with the goal from the spot. Right. OK, so now we have to go into the Millwall game from Saturday the 24th. Um, going in off the back of that devastating loss at home to Hull on the Tuesday, uh, but comfortable in the knowledge that Millwall are heading in one direction. They've had six defeats in their last seven, and they picked up only four points in the last eight away games. Relegation form and, and a crappy record at St Mary's as well. But we're unbeaten. Last eight uh, league trips to uh, Southampton, a record that went back to the Dow in 1989. But the last time they visited St Mary's, uh, it was in 2011, and that was a Gulu de Prado winner. So against all that, they did a number on us. An unlikely 2-1 victory. Uh, Jaffet Tanganga opening the scoring with another set-piece concession, only for Shay Adams to nod us back, in, back on track. And then Zion Fleming from the spot put them ahead right before half-time. And those were the only goals of the game. Flat second half showing ensured our second straight-home loss. Uh, Leeds and Ipswich both won. So, so, yeah, Kev, it's just a horrible, horrible weekend all round, wasn't it? Just... 
horrible news about Fraser, about Chris Nickel and losing to Millwall. Just, uh, yeah, not a great time at the moment. Chris Nickel, the last manager to lose to Millwall. Am I right? I suppose that would have been, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just tops off a horrible week, doesn't it? I mean, two, there's the same results at St Mary's but two very different teams two very different performances both from Saints and the opposition but yeah the result all the same we could have been quite solidly second and catching Leicester by the end of this week and instead we're languishing in, in, in fourth place <laughs> five points adrift yeah title, title hopes have gone I mean yeah it's looking to be a toss up between whether we make the playoffs or automatic promotion Still kind of in our own hands um, with the three teams above us yet, yet yet to play them. So, yeah, could still do it. But, you know, if we continue the form like this, then that's yeah, not happening at all. We'd be lucky to make playoffs. <laughs> oh, God, don't say that. We've got, we got a nice gap between us and West Brom, so that, that's, that's something. Um, I, I don't expect we're going to drop out of the playoffs, but it's just... Yeah, chasing those automatic places. Um, five changes from that whole defeat. <laughs> no Flynn Downs, as, as we've just discussed. Jack Stevens shoehorned back into the side. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peter starting on the left. Howard Bellis on the right. Lots of tinkering. Too much, maybe. Which, um, Tim, it brings me to the point of uh, one of our Discord members, Kinners. Um, she said that was... Uh, that she was incredi- incredibly frustrated with Russell Martin for Saturday. Uh, too much tinkering. He overthought the whole game and he took responsibility for that. But then he goes and does it again. I'm Martin's biggest advocate, but I'm annoyed. It was a mistake that cost us. What do you think about that? Pretty spot on with, uh, with what mm-hmm. she said. To me, uh, I think that Martin, and we've probably seen or heard about this, that he doesn't have much of a plan B. Mm. He just goes in there and he thinks this is what's going to work. That's a good thing to say that, oh, we're going to go and be successful. And, you know, if your plan A is always perfect 100% of the time. But there's losses like this which are inexcusable or, you know, the Rotherham draw as well. Like things that you didn't want to expect or things that shouldn't have came about. And then there's games where we absolutely destroyed them and did not even expect to be looking that that good. And that I think that's probably the Leeds uh, – the Leeds home game from back yeah. in October is a good is a good example of that where we just completely looked. I mean, we looked like a mid a mid table Premier League team at that in that game. It's just a, you know the law of averages and where where our team is supposed to be at. But he he got it wrong and the tactics he can own up and t- take it. But you know with him we're in fourth place right now and set dead set on at least a playoff spot. Where you know what else you I won't say what else you're gonna do, but um, yeah, great a uh, great analysis and, and great thought there. Yeah, and Kev, we just need to go back to basics, really, don't we? I mean, what was I mean? We we've, we've been saying for ages that this side at the moment that picks itself when we've been going on this run. You know, you got Manning at left back, Kyle Peters at right back. The best pairing is is easily Howard Bellis and, and Bednarik. Downs holding, I know that wasn't an option. It doesn't even matter about those attacking options because, you know, we've got so many decent ones. So why why tinker so much? Why overthink it? And why play Stevens if you don't need to? Because right now, he doesn't really need to be in there, especially playing as this, like, hybrid right-back, wing-back. And I'm not saying he was bad on Saturday. It was just an over overthought. Yeah, yeah, fucking bonkers completely. I mean, having our best centre-back playing right-back for most of the first half, Mm. when we've got two full-backs on the bench that could play us into a, 
an, an ordinary formation. And Stevens himself, yeah, I wasn't entirely sure what his position was supposed to be. Was he a centre-back? Was he a full-back? Was he a winger? Was he a midfield? He was kind of everywhere, all over the place, depending on what we were doing at the time. Yeah, I think Just, it was what, um, whether, yeah. we, whether we had the ball or not, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think. I mean, James Bree was yeah. back, wasn't it? Like you said, on the bench. And I mean, in spite of uh, what he tried, he tried to change it up in the second half and he brought on <laughs> brought on Manning when we were 2-1 down. And it's like, well, you, <laughs> you've started with, with Stevens there, so you're going to have to try and, you know, you can't waste a substitution trying to correct your mistakes. You need to be bringing on an attacker at this point to try and salvage something from the game. But bringing on a left back at that point was, was that was, yeah, that was boggling as well. Um, and the midfield, I mean, we were we were a bit surprised with the midfield for he actually, Kev, because we were on the way walking to the game or just at the stadium when we saw it, and we were surprised to see Smallbone back in there, um, which brings me to the point where we, we put out a poll in the week about the starting midfield, um, the trio. So we gave you the options of uh, the, the first trio of Downs, Stu and Arivo, the second of Downs, Smallbone and Arivo, and the third of Stu, Downs and Smallbone. 77% of the results went towards Downs, Stu and Arebo, but they're, you know, Smallbone having a really bad... Well, he didn't have a very good performance against Hull either, did he? He put some straight back into the side again, so... I don't trust Smallbone on his own in that holding role. Um, he's, he's just not quick enough, both, both physically getting back and with his, his thinking. He needs a lot of time on the ball to pick out a decent pass. And if you're, if you're on the, your own in that hole, then you, know, you don't have that time. Um, Hull managed to, to close us down pretty quickly and put pressure on us. Um, and yeah, that for, for me, um, yeah, I wasn't here last week to say it, but we, whenever Small got the Small Bun got the ball, I just shit myself because I, I knew that something something bad was going to happen or nothing was going to happen. It just didn't have any threat in him at all. Even even see, he does. I don't know. Is his confidence gone or what? Because um, he's put himself in the position that he could get a shot off and instead of shooting he'll just you know pass it across to the wing instead and that that's just that that says a confidence thing doesn't it mm. he's not confident enough to to, to have a go but yeah I, I mean I was a bit surprised that he, he was back in again Tim were you were you surprised to see Smallbone back in there again no because I think that's the, what our best option is for the moment but Smallbone gets exposed he's a Small. Uh, I mean, he's more. I want to say he's more fragile. Um, uh, but he, when you when you don't have that proper six, uh, he gets exposed. And Downs is better than Charles, who Charles is a six itself, who Russell doesn't seem to trust right now. Oh yeah, that's the thing. I, I would much rather have seen um, Shay Charles get the nod there over Smallbone. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. He's decent against West Brom. He was, yeah. And they, they, I know mean, he is a natural number six. He's naturally mm. defensive. You let Rebo and uh, Stu have a little bit more freedom there. Yeah, Maybe. I'd like that. I, I I like that idea. Small and I I'm going to credit myself here. 
the we we talked I think the midfield is the weakest part of the team. Yeah. And I said that we needed to get a signing and then all of a sudden magically Joe Rothwell has signed up, which I don't think he's brought anything significant in terms of value except for those amazing Huddersfield goals, which were <laughs> pretty fantastic. Um, but to me, uh, you know, seeing that Smallbone gets exposed. So if Downs is able to cover the the flaws of what Smallbone has and allows him to flourish. That's fantastic. But we have a Rebo who, if he's the physical, you know, the physical, he's able to maintain possession and control and allow for a free flowing uh, nature. Then, you know, you know, then Smallbone is then a depth piece at that point. Uh, if we can't have, if we can't have uh, Downs cover Smallbone's issues. So get Charles in there, get a Rebo, get uh, Stu Armstrong, and maybe I guess that's the best midfield three. Yeah, right uh, now. For the yeah. time and then you've got Smallbone, you've got Downs because he's injured, and then Rothwell is, is depth pieces for yeah. the, the field. That's what, I, that's what I mean. That's what I was expecting to see, to be honest. But yeah, but yeah, he went with that. I don't think it was the reason we lost the game. But yeah, he wasn't great again. And I'm, I'm sure we've got some stats on him in a bit. But goal came quite early, actually, didn't it? The Javits and Ganga. And it was a really, really poor one to concede. Another set piece. State from Gavin Bazunu. Dean Hammond said on the comms, actually, that he, he tried to catch it. But if he had gone in and, you know, and punched it, then it would have been easy. But he messed up. Totally, totally, totally fucked up. This is not a goal we should be conceding at all. And I just saw it kind of floating in slow motion and just set in like, oh, fuck. Hmm. And there's that little delay between the, the ball guy in the net and the away end going absolutely fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, and sort of your life flashes before your eyes. But yeah, Bazuno, he he needs to be. That, that, that's just basic bread and butter shit. He should be. Well, I mean, you should be able to collect that. But yeah, he could have just parried it away, punched it for safety, and um, none none of this would have happened. Instead, he tries to to catch it. Maybe he just misjudges the height and tries to catch it a bit lower down than he than he should have. And then it ends up um, catching uh, Jeff at Tanganga's head instead of the ball. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, by that time, it just that fraction of a second that um, it needed to go off his head. And I don't quite. I still don't understand how it quite went in. It sort of hits the the back of his head and goes up and, and loops over um, into the goal. It was a it was a really really bizarre and embarrassing goal to concede. And I didn't didn't I, I joked before the game that we'd concede in like the fourth minute or something like that. Um, it pretty much happened. Oh, you did, didn't you? I forgot about that. Yeah, you said straight away we're gonna <laughs> yeah. we're gonna concede, and it, yeah, you're starting to become a good luck charm for Millwall now. Jesus Christ. Um, Tim, we had we had glimpses and li- you know little bits, and even when Fraser came off, I mean, it, it was our best spell after that, just before we we equalised, and you felt that something was gonna happen. Um, Shay had one that was cleared off the line by Tanganga, uh, but then we did get something, and we got the goal. Shay Adams. Um, it was a it was a pinpoint cross from Stu. Uh, into a crowded box, and Shea was kind of like sandwiched between the two centre-backs, and you know, the cross had to be good, and it was right on the point, and it was a good run from Shea and a great header. Yeah, great movement all around. Uh, Stu Armstrong uh, coming in clutch with that amazing uh, right foot with the – I mean, it just kind of swerved. It looked, it looked pretty on TV, and Adams made the great run, and 1-1. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those uh, crosses, Kev, that when I saw it, I was like, yeah, great cross great header 
and it was at the, it was at the other end of the pitch from us. But I didn't quite realise how good it was uh, until I watched it back. But yeah, that cross was oh, it was excellent. It had to be so so accurate, and it was. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was going in, and um, <laughs> Shea just needed a little feather touch on it to to guide it in. But then, of course, right before half time, Zion Fleming penalty, handball from Bednarik. I'll come to Tim on this one. Uh, hand is up. Obafemi, he shoots it. It hits him. Is that a penalty, Tim? All right. So going to my two rules. Number one <laughs> is the hand is above your shoulder in a very awkward position, and it's completely out of place, and it's not pushed there by somebody else. Number two, basically it's within the line of where you would shoot the ball directed towards the goal uh, as a shot on goal. That qualifies it uh, in the second piece albeit it is super duper close. So if you would have just basically hug your hands in, you know, like with the, with the Stevens issue, he like kept his arm out and like tried to like do this little shimmy and he's doing like kind of like a robot dance as he was blocking it. <laughs> Same thing with Bernard. What happens is, is if you just like put your hands behind your back or you put your hands like where you're covering your nuts, um, if it hits your arm, it's going to hit your arm. But the, but any, any referee is taught that if you are guarding your own body, meaning you're keeping your arms to your side, that is what the case is for covering yourself literally and physically and, and, and metaphorically for the for a handball. So he jumps, he's naturally up and his hand swings outright. But if he jumps and then switches his hand in, in to the inside and his hand is basically covering and he's not chicken wringing his arms out. Uh, at that point, he would be fine. So it's unfortunate. It's super duper close. The other thing too is like if you're if you get a handball that is within you know within a foot of yourself, so like you know a foot or 18 inches where you can't literally control what's going on because you're you're that's also the problem. But it sucks. I hate it, and uh, I yeah. think it was a correct call. I think it was a correct call, but it was close, Kevin. It was hit hard. Um, and it was. You really have a lot of time. It's, it's unlucky, isn't it? But by the laws of the game, it's it's a penalty. Yeah, I'm not sure what more Bednar could have done. I mean, he's, I don't I think his hands were in a particularly unnatural position, and Obafemi at point blank range just um, fires it into him. So I, I don't think there's much he could have done. A bit harsh, but yeah, we've seen a lot looser interpretation of that mm. handball rule means decisions like that are going to go against you. Yep. That's right, yeah. Um, did you see Oberfemi try to take the ball off of Fleming, take the penalty? And he got shoved <laughs> he got away. away quite quickly, what yeah. Prick, eh? Wanting to score a goal against <laughs> Saints that badly. It just like he seems like he's got a grudge, but hey. Um, yeah, Fleming sends Pazuna the wrong way anyway. Um, wasn't a great penalty, though, was it? It just kind of crept in and hit the post and, and went in on its way. So, yeah, not, not the best of penalties, but uh, it didn't matter, did it? If, if he sent the keeper the wrong way. And it was just about on target. Uh, that was enough. I mean, I know that Russell Martin's getting a lot of criticism for the for the uh, uh, tactics that he uh, that he used. But in his post match interview, I mean, we'll, we'll get onto that in a bit. But I do kind of get what he's saying about how we we conceded those goals. And yes, they were you know atrocious goals to give away. I mean, you give away a handball penalty like that, and and from the uh, from the set piece and a mistake from the goalkeeper, tactics aren't going to solve that. I mean, they're just two goals poor goals to give away but I mean we were quite actually at half time Kev we were quite uh quite high spirited because we thought we could we could we could win here I just felt like we, we could do something when I mean, we saw it in the um Huddersfield game we come out the second half and we were just you know right at them 
and I'm sure I'm sure you won't thank me for reminding you and, and telling all the listeners, but uh, you actually predicted a Saints 4-2 win at half time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, easy, easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, well, because that's the way it's been going lately, yeah. isn't it? It's we always seem to be able to find a goal in that chapel net, but this time we didn't. Yeah, we kept pushing against Hull, but um, yeah, didn't manage to to get the equaliser here. I'm not even saying that we're pushing; we're just trying the same thing over and over again and getting the same result. Yeah, that's that's the no plan B, isn't it? That's just yeah, um, and you know the, those substitutions uh, once they've been made. And we have been praising Russell Martin for the substitutions, but, you know, this is <clears throat> firefighting. It was shit showing from the beginning, disorganised. We've been, we've been unlucky. been unlucky. I don't know that um, Millwall were necessarily the, the better team, uh, but, you know, they, they held out and they, they stuck to a, a game plan. They had a clear formation and it, and it, and it worked. Oh, yeah, um, they, they defended well. Just second frustrated half. us. Mm. Mm. Uh, actually, you mentioned subs, and I, I'll talk about that for a bit as well. Because Tim, Tim, he used all his subs, but did he use them correctly? Because I mentioned before, like St- Stevens comes in only to be taken out for Manning when you're trailing two one and you've got Mara on the bench. Um, I know Mara was was really poor against uh, Hull. I think he had 11 touches, um, but it's still it's another attacking option. And at that point, you need to throw all your eggs in one basket. But bringing on a left back at that point just to try and go back to a formation that you should have been playing in the first place. It just seems, yeah, seems a bit of a mistake for me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You're spot on. I mean, in, you know, in hindsight, he would have made all the right subs and we wouldn't have been talking here and bitching about a, a loss. So if you would have done the right thing in the first place and put on proper attacking players and kept the right formations, we'd be good. So Adam, Ar- you know, if Adam Armstrong has, while well, he's been down for probably the last month or so, I don't think we really talk about that. He hasn't done a whole lot, or it seems like. Stuhlmana, while he finally started to make some significant impacts in this game, where the previous couple of games he looked a little rusty, mm. Adozi needed to get um, – you know, coming on and he, he was the right choice, uh, kind of like a like for like sub for, for Fraser. But yeah, if you need, you need goals, you put the people who are going to be able to score the goals. And at least Mara has shown in the last couple of months that he can make those, uh, efforts necessary to score way more than Ryan Manning can. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely so. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he said that Adam Armstrong needed a rest. He said he wanted to rest him for a little bit. He needed it because he's been in for quite a bit, but. I mean, he brought him on anyway, didn't it? Didn't he? But yeah, just not enough. Actually, he had the best chance of the, of the game, really, didn't he? Um, and Kev, we just—you said we were just doing the same thing over, over and over again. We didn't really try anything different. Um, I'm trying to remember the chances that we actually had in the second half, and it's very, very—it's minimal, isn't it? I mean, I remember the Rothwell shot on the edge of the box, which was kind of wasted because he just hit it straight at him. Certainly wasn't a, a shot like the one against Huddersfield. Um, Adam Armstrong headed one over. Um, and then that header that he had, that he headed down right into the bottom corner and it saved by Sarkic. Those are the only three that I can think of in the half. And they were pretty much half chances, weren't they? Yeah, and Adams had a couple in the first half as well. Um, yeah, a bit confusing that he should come off um, being our goal scorer and um, yeah, potentially the only player that, <laughs> that could actually um, could create something out of nothing. Yeah, he came off quite early. Actually, was it about the hour, wasn't it? He came on. For, he came off for um for Adam Armstrong. Yeah. Um. 
that was yeah, just about the end, the hour mark, and um, a, a rebar also a rebar coming off, yeah, for, for Rothwell, yeah, for Rothwell. Um, again, another ineffective substitution. And David Brooks coming off, oh. Sulemana. Although, like Tim said, Sulemana came on and, and did did actually you know put a couple of crosses in. I mean, I think he provided that cross for the uh, for the Adam Armstrong header from the Sarkic save. So I think, yeah, Sulemana for Brooks. Although Brooks was, uh, I thought he was pretty active in the first half. I think it was just a case of just not doing enough. They just didn't get a response like we did against Huddersfield. And too many players not at their best. And this is the result of it. And Kev, I know we, I don't want to keep banging on about Will Smallbone, but in the absence of Flynn Downs, he's been operating in that number six and it's it's not really been working and he doesn't really have him to rely on, like we said. But um, you pulled up some Will Smallbone stats. Um, would you like to share them? Some cherry-picked stats for Will Smallbone against Millwall. Um, lost possession 13 times. No tackles, no interceptions, uh, no aerial duels won. Okay, but he did only have one. Uh, none of his three ground duels won. No successful dribbles, one attempted, and uh, two crosses, uh, neither of which found the man. So... Yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> not from your whole. Not great, that. yeah, especially considering that we've got defensive and attacking stats, and he's not offering much there. I think I had his pass success eighty-six percent. Yeah, to the centre backs, honestly. Yeah, yeah, some telling stats that fit into our um, Flynniesta narrative. Um, win rate when Flynn down starts seventy percent, and when it doesn't start. 29%. Points per game when down starts, 2.26. And when he doesn't, 1.14. Goals scored per game, 2 when he starts, and 1.14 when he doesn't. Mm. Uh, 90% of the clean sheets in the league have come when he starts. See, to me, that's the most telling one. Our clean sheets, nine, 90% of them is when he starts. That's incredible. Stats big to favour Shea Charles as well. Without Flynn Downs, we played eight matches, one, two, drawn, two, lost four. However, in the eight matches when Shea, uh, Shea Charles started in the midfield, uh, we won two, draw two, and uh, lost one. But he kept a clean sheet in that because he was subbed up at half time. Wow. So yeah, not see... only is it Downs, but also Charles can defensive To me, it just seems like he's he's putting a lot of trust in, in Smallbone to do a job that he's not really quite capable of doing when you've got two holding midfielders that can do that job a lot better with a lot more success. I mean, you look at the stats there. Smallbone's had some sublime games this season. And yeah, but not, not when he's playing in, as a number six. That is correct. If you look at when he was at Stoke, he never played a number six at all. We've been figured out. And finding him as one of the weaker points of the team makes a huge difference when it comes to it all. Because I remember him being really, really good uh, in, you know, the probably the, the whole away game is the one that stuck out to me. Um, I think that might have been one of his first of those like side footed goals. Um, the yeah. Swansea way he scored as well. And even the. Um, well, and even the Leeds home game that I mentioned earlier. Uh, some some of those games where he's obviously scored and made a difference, uh, he, he's done very, very, very well. And that if you look at the theme in all of those is that he's been the eight and not mm. the six. Yeah. So there goes the theme. He's people have found and listen. People are listening to our scouting report. People are listening <laughs> to us, their coaches. You know, they're thinking about it. Whoever the fuck they got here, Joe Edwards or, you know, I think they just fired Joe <laughs> Edwards there at the yeah. wall. 
the new manager because they Neil got Harris. the new manager bounce. Yeah, yeah, Neil Harris, the new manager bounce that they got. Um, yeah, it's it's shit. So if you're able to expose a team's weakness, that's all you have to do, isn't it? <laughs> that's called playing the game. Yeah. And congrats to them, but fuck off. Like, let's yeah. get going. We yeah. got we got a promotion push. This is. I mean, we've got 12 games. Let's go. <laughs> God, it is only 12, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we need we needed a response after Hull, and we didn't get it. We expected it. We were far from it. And Kev, have you got any match stats? Sir? I've got the usual shit. But um, interestingly, believe believe it or not, um, with our 81% possession, um, we've come the closest to getting that thousand touches, uh, 948 in this match. Weird obsession we've got this season, but fine. Um, yeah, 14 shots to their eight. Uh, seven of our shots are on target, believe it or not. Wow, uh, they only had three shots on target, um, considering uh, one of those as a penalty. Um, yeah, I hate to think what the XG must have been. Uh, 1.5 uh, to us, 1.1. Them. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, you take away the penalty, so it's basically 0.2, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No clear-cut chances for Millwall, which is, is what I saw from that. And I don't think they deserved to win the game, did they? I mean, the keeper kept a minute um, from the Armstrong header. They, yes, they defended well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, Neil Harris, he had a game plan. And, of course, it's not the first time he's, he's beaten Saints this season because he was in charge of Gillingham when they knocked us out of the Carabao Cup back in... Um, back in August, and so they, his game plan was to just jam the middle of the field, force us out wide, and he says that we've got the best players to, like, you know, one-on-one, but it, he knew that they'd have to defend well, so he selected the right defenders to be able to stop us, and, and of course, his sides are always very physical as well. I mean, I think his Gillingham side picked up six bookings in that tie, and they picked up three in this one, so I know what his should game plan is. More. It should they, have been They were more. brutal at points. We had more yellow cards than they, than than the way we picked up five, mm. so that that did surprise me. But yeah, they had a good game plan. Oh well, well, was it a good game plan from Harris, or is it you know is that just like what what Tim had said that we just uh, we've we've been found out now? Well, I mean, you know, the, that Gillian game we put uh, those three goals all came from set pieces, and it's the same here. So you know, I'm starting to see a pattern emerging. If you can score five set piece goals at St Mary's, mm. um, I just know you would think that we'd improve. Uh, set piece defences since then, but you know, um, apparently not. But yeah, they were brutal. I mean, um, yeah, Ryan Fraser taken out by a really nasty tackle there. Um, and uh, am I right in thinking he didn't even get booked for it? No, he didn't. No. Yeah, no, that's criminal. Um, did... That's an interesting train journey back from the match, so with a train full of because uh, we got on the London train, there's a train full of Millwall fans. Oh no! Nobody said anything. They were they were they were just completely oblivious. They, they didn't really care at all. They were all um, com- completely wrapped up in their own conversations, which surprised me. So, you you so, didn't yeah. engage or anything? No, no, they didn't either. Did you see Tim the, the the handshake? I mean, this has probably been doing the rounds on social media now, but um, well, the the, the handshake that wasn't because uh, Masia Sarkic he went, went to shake Russell Martin's hand and and Russell Martin just snubbed him, uh, walked away. It's all over. Uh, Twitter, you can probably catch it, but um, that's naughty. I mean, you, you, we don't want a reputation for that, do we? Yeah, I will reserve judgment for the full effect of I wasn't there, 
But if it was purely known that he didn't shake his hand because of, well, he was pissy and moany, well, that's a little bitch move, so he could do better. So he did have to say, uh, we had three massive chances and should score. It's not normal to create that many big chances against a team in a low block. We should score, but don't. It's nothing to do with tactics. If people want to talk about all that stuff, it's not that. We conceded two rubbish goals. Wherever Jack is playing on the pitch, uh, at that point, it's not relevant as we're all in a line defending. How we don't deal with the free kick, I don't know. For the second goal, we don't clear it twice and it ends up across our box for a penalty. That is the story of the game. Nothing else, not tactics. Um, I do kind of see his point. I, I, like I said, I, I know what he's what he's saying. Like the two goals that we conceded had nothing to do with where Jack Stevens was playing. You could play any formation you want, and those goals would have happened still because they were just rubbish to concede. But I, what I am shocked with is the the response from some Saints fans towards Russell Martin already. And as soon as we lose, they they want him out. And I, I don't know if they've been silent during the winning run and then they pipe up when we lose or whether they sing and cheer his name at St. Mary's only to turn on him the moment that things don't go right, which is much worse. And suddenly like the tippy tappy football is rubbish against. We, we've been spoiled for these for, for this season, really. We, we've had a great run. We're going for a little bit of a rough patch and suddenly everybody wants him out again. It's- I think the thing is, is that we've been spoiled completely more than just this year, recognizing that the team is not, you know, funded by a ridiculous billionaire or a, a, a Middle East oil state uh, to support the needs for the, for the team itself. So, you know, being in the premier league and letting it finally dwindle down and then now being in the championship, there's an expectation for us to be the best. And, you know, for 20 ridiculously ga- 23, 24, 25 games, I can't even remember now, 25, uh, 25 unbeaten games in a row you're used to saying, well, we're not going to get beat. Well, you can't win. You, do. you can't win them all. You can't win them all. You're going to lose games. Correct. You're going to play. You're going to play poor. Correct. Um, yeah, it, it's, 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 we're not, we haven't got a right to win every single game. It's not going to happen. It's, no. It's, so the cumulative body of work over the season itself, if you said we would be fourth and five points off of second place uh, with 12 games to go at the beginning of the season, I would have probably been like, that sounds about right. I was like, that sounds about right. Oh, yeah. It's, I, it's, it's better than what I thought. I mean, I predicted us to finish seventh. So I think and I had us to finish fifth. So, so there we go. Yeah, I think I so predicted we, even lower. You did. You were the lowest, actually, Kev. I think you said 11th or 12th or something. Mm, yeah. So in I guess for, in the cumulative body of work now, if we lose two more in a row, then all of a sudden our February has you know our February is just a is just a replay of September of 2023 and we don't want that. Very difficult decision this week, Kev. But uh, man of the match? It wasn't complete dog shit. I don't think that we can say that all of the players were culpable. Um, I think we got a, a few candidates who did put a shift in. Carl Walker Peters, I think, um, still exciting. Yeah, a lot of passage seems seemed to go down that left hand side with him and it was was Fraser down the left and then um later in the match a dozy and I don't know, Brooks seemed to swing over there and then um, Yeah, it's it's confusing because um yeah, he was also 
playing all over the place as well, wasn't he? He sort of popped up on the left hand and the right. And and Stu, because um, he did, did create a few chances that just didn't come off. I think uh, we managed to play against West Brom, and I think we were probably about, about the same standard. Then we got lucky. This time we got unlucky. Um, just stalling on whether to make a decision. Um, fuck it, I'll give it to, to Carl Walker-Peters. Why not? Okay. That's fine. Um, I'm going to go with, oh, wow, well, Adams for the goal. He had four shots. Brooks created three chances. Um, or you could go Stu Armstrong for the cross um, that Adams scored. <laughs> uh, he also put in a brilliant run and cross early Great on when, when, yeah, when Brooks failed to connect properly with that. So I'm in doubt. But so when I'm in doubt, I'm going to go with Stu. So I think he was the best player in that first half for sure. So uh, Stu Armstrong for me. His hair is fine. <laughs> that's and that that's all, I, that's all I need <laughs> strong. he scores belters once in a while <laughs> doesn't really have the same ring to it though does it it's um, more accurate that's the most important thing in the chant we all know that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh, we've gone down to four well, I say gone down we stay fourth it's played 34 we've won 20 drawn seven lost seven 64 points uh Leeds Ipswich winning, as I said, five points adrift of them now. Uh, 11 points ahead of West Brom, though, who were fifth. We can't drop 11 points, surely, from West Brom. So, yeah, now we've got uh, two more games in the week, of course. We go to uh, Liverpool, to Anfield for the FA Cup fifth round on on Wednesday, the 28th. That's an eight o'clock kickoff. That's on ITV as well. Uh, Top of the table, Liverpool, top of the Premier League, obviously. Um, Hopefully, they'll be more focused on keeping City and Arsenal at bay. Yeah, I don't really know what he's going to do with his team, Klopp, and hopefully we've got Downs back, like it matters. I mean, because Liverpool surely going to have too much for us, whether they're playing kids or not. Um, Klopp has come out on Monday, Monday morning, and said that he's concerned for his depth. Um, they picked up a few injuries in their cup final on Sunday, and of course they played a lot of youngsters anyway. But yeah, he said, we don't have a team right now for Wednesday. The guys who came in can maybe play again. The rest will get treatment on Monday. I love this country to bits, but the schedule is not made for winning. <laughs> uh, we will see the price we have to pay, but we fight for everything. And then we see what comes next. Somehow against Southampton, there will be a team in Liverpool shirts. Yeah. Have you got any sympathy for them while they're uh, cradling their winners medals from Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. My heart absolutely fucking bleeds for them. Um, <laughs> yeah. All of their millions and billions of fans. Uh, mining about squad there. I mean, Okay, yeah, you know Liverpool, Man City, or Chelsea—they do have uh, a slightly thinner squads, but there's still a massive flood. I think it's a bolting for them to say that. Um, yeah, we don't have a team. Bollocks. Mm. <laughs> don't care. Yeah, just. They be... get paid that money. They can play twice in a week. Uh, well, this is the thing, it. right? They used to be playing week one out, play on Sunday and midweek because of the bloody European game. So I mean, he knows the deal, doesn't yeah. he? They've got a big enough squad to be able to deal with Europe, surely. So, but though, although Tim, I'm not encouraged by Russell Martin's latest comments because he said um, that we could do without this Liverpool tie. That's a direct quote. And it doesn't really scream confidence, does it? Mm. And uh, <laughs> I know he wants to get out his frustration and ju- just have a go at Birmingham. But if he's not up for this, this could be a bloody bloodbath, couldn't it, Tim? Yeah, those are some choice words. You can take them multiple ways. Is that, yeah, you would probably prefer not to have this game in a midweek after having four or five straight games in two, in two to three weeks. Uh, so that makes sense. But what doesn't make yeah, but the, the context is 
oh, you don't want to play this game. Well, you don't want to play the game at all completely. And mm. that means you don't want to be ready for it. So it does go both ways. I'm going to take and spin it as he's the positive, but him being a little, you know, uh, a little pissy after uh, some recent losses, albeit some of which his fault, some of which could, you know, team could have played better. Uh, so to me, uh, seeing that, seeing that the game's coming up, you play to win the game, as Jim Mora would say. So you got to go, uh, be ready to go, and uh, let's round uh, and on to Liverpool. So the biggest thing about Liverpool is yes, well, top of the league, top of the table, yada yada yada. They just won uh, most recently here against uh, Chelsea in the EFL Cup final, the Carabao Cup. Which I didn't know. According to their advertising, they have beer now, so good for them. Uh, did not realize that. Hmm. Well. Gave it a little advertising here on this podcast. So the <laughs> what we really need to talk about is they've also been playing multiple games in a row midweek, but they have over eleven injuries now on their from their from their team. Eleven injuries. So mm-hmm. Endo, um, who started and played the entire one twenty, came off on crutches from the game yesterday. Salah was <laughs> building back up to fitness. He didn't even play at all in the EFL Cup final. Uh, he did play previously uh, against, I believe it was Brentford, um, and, but they, you know, struggling with fitness. So he's been off. You don't know. Gravenberch uh, went off on a stretcher uh, yesterday, so likely not going to be playing. Uh, Nunez came off with a with an injury at halftime. So uh, is he going to be ready to go against Southampton? I don't know. We'll we'll find out. So Sobosly, um, once again, recurring injury, building back up, and all these players are real big players, as you can tell. Uh, Jota not coming back. Curtis Jones not coming back. Allison not coming back. Um, T, uh, Alexander Arnold not coming back. Tiago not coming back. Joel Maddow not coming back. Pachayic, uh, he's not coming back as well. So when we take a look at all of those players, yes, who does that leave in the rest of their squad? You know, $100 billion for the players that can still come <laughs> out and, ta- and, and take us. So uh, Van Dyke is playing very, 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 very well. Top of the game, top of the world right now is probably the best center back. Uh, Keller uh, did a great job and only developed even more confidence against the lackluster Chelsea attack. That was yesterday's game. Uh, continuing on uh, with some of their play. I mean, so they, they still have Alex McAllister. They've got players that are, you know, decent. Cody Gakbo. They've got Andrew, Andy Robertson. Harvey Elliott was looking really, really good yesterday, too. So all in all, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think they'll, they'll, some of the people who came off ha- at halftime uh, will be just fine. I think that Van Dyke and Ibrahima Kanade are going to start at center back and we're going to look like absolute trash. Curtis Jones will probably play his best game that he's ever played. And then uh, Tismakis will eventually er- consider himself the heir apparent to Andy, uh, Andy Robertson. It's just going to be, it's just going to look, uh, it's going to look ugly. Uh, it's going to hopefully not be too bad though. Um, and hopefully they do play some rotation because they had a few players that were just completely, you know, off the, off the academy team that played multiple minutes, uh, lots of minutes in the last few games. And I think it's good. I think it's good. I think there's a, a better outside chance than we think, but this will be the real test to see how Russell Martin's style will play against what is one of, if not the best team in Europe. All right, Kev, you are, you are first on the predictions. What, what are you going to go with? 3-1 Liverpool. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Tim? 
You're next. I think we'll still get exposed too often, so I think we'll lose 3-0. Saints are going to win this game, guys. They're going to go here and they're going to take. They're going to shock the world. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Saints are going to lose. What? Uh, <laughs> no, Saints are going to lose, but I reckon it's going to be closer than you guys think. I think we're going to lose by one goal, and I think it's going to be 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, still a loss, but I think, yeah, I just think they might have a little bit too much for us, but we'll give them a good game, and I think we'll be at our best as well. Um, because we need a response, you know. Even if, even if we do go out there and give them everything we've got, and we come close, then I think people will be happy with that. Um, and then they can just turn their attentions to Birmingham, then can't they? Um, while we do that right now, because we have Birmingham on Saturday, the second of March, at three o'clock at St Andrews. Wow, I mean, <laughs> up and down season for them. Managers coming and going. Uh, Tony Mowbray's taking some time off right now for medical reasons, and hopefully he's back in the dugout uh, in the next. Six to eight weeks, I think they've said. Uh, Mark Venus is taking temporary command. So they had the drama of sacking John Eustace when they were in a playoff spot. Then Rooney comes in and he's sacked earlier in the year. Uh, things not going particularly well on that front and not in the league either because they were the 18th at the moment. Uh, they lost 3-1 to Ipswich. Uh, most recently that was. And But they have actually won their last three games at St Andrews. And they haven't lost there since uh, Stoke won 3-1 on Boxing Day. So four losses at St. Andrews all season, which kind of equals ours. Obviously not at St. Andrews, at St. Mary's. Um, I was fairly convinced that we'd handle these quite comfortably, but, you know, be on a, like an, on a revenge course. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as I first thought. Uh, Tim, am I right to be concerned? They're on their fourth manager at the moment. Mm. Uh, they've They lost to... A team, uh, a fellow team within the relegation place most recently in Sheffield Wednesday. And they are only three points off of what is the, you know, the 22nd place of relegation. So of course we're, uh, you know, we're at a place where we could be completely upset and things could end up terribly. Um, unfortunately, you know, championship, anybody can be anybody. And looking back with Birmingham City last five, they lost to Wednesday 2-0. They beat Blackburn 1-0. They beat Sunderland 2-1. They lost to Ipswich 3-1, and they lost to West Brom 1-0. Uh, so you mentioned Rooney. Uh, they fired Eustace. We had Rooney. We got to play him. He was a complete disaster. Uh, we looked really good. I think that's really what gave us the foundation for our strength and our run for that 25-game unbeaten streak because once we saw that game, we saw what could be the strength. Um and yes, and I hope Tony Mowbray uh, does get better six to eight weeks away from the club. So being with that fourth manager, things are going to be tough for them just to, you know, to stumble across the finish line. While they're currently 18th, Stoke City is that in that final relegation spot. We actually helped Millwall out by them winning. Otherwise, mm. they would have if if they would have uh, drew or lost, they would have been in the um, in they would have been in that uh, relegation spot. So. Crazy, crazy to think about. No major winter signings so far this uh, this this past um, winter period, uh, winter signing period that is. And ultimately, what we're looking for is, you know, who are who are their uh, their main guys to stop. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing is sta- um, 
Jordan James has eight goals. He's only 19 years old in the team. And Jay Stansfield uh, on loan from Fulham, eight goals as well. Uh, so the biggest thing is if we're able to take them out of the fray, that's going to make a significant difference because even though Sikri Dembele is a decent, you know, is a decent as attacking mid and Bakuna, uh, who's been involved and been, you know, pretty much played, if not the most minutes close to the top minutes outside of maybe Ruddy in goalkeeper, uh, things to really take a look and consider because, you know, they still even have players like, uh, I mean, uh, Ethan Laird, who was a Manchester United Academy product, Cody Dramea, who was, you know, we've, we've mentioned him a couple of different times and had a potential uh, for him to sign him on loan. And even, you know, down the line, you've got teams like Dion Sanderson, who've been in the Academy team for, for really good, uh, for really good teams in the past alongside um, uh, Koji Miyoshi, uh, who's, uh, you know, four goals in the season look pretty good, and he's he's starting to get some quality minutes as well. Uh, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be tougher than we think. Um, you know, being away and having a stumbled across, having just played Liverpool as well. We got it's it's more. It'll be a new month though. It'll be the month of March, yeah, yeah. and we'll be able to knock off February. You know, knock off the terrible two months that we've had except uh, that September and February. Uh, so starting out March. Starting in summer, uh, spring season is going to be coming, and we're going to be ready uh, for, to play Birmingham City away. Excellent. Right, uh, Tim, you're up first for predictions on this one. Okay. Well, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna kick back in. Uh, I think they're gonna. Have, there's too much going on there in that team uh, for, I don't say disaster, but too too many thing, too many issues that are going on even outside of the the on the field performance. So to me, um, I think we will win. It'll be won't be as pretty as we would think, but it'll be a two one win. Yeah, I'm unlike you, Tim. I think um I think we're we, we're getting our uh, our league form back on track. I don't think he'll let it happen again, um, but I think it's going to be narrow, and I think we're going to take it uh, one nil. Oh God, um, you know, I mean, it's weird. I kind of got the reverse of the usual feeling. Um, but again, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. What's the score going to be? Two one Birmingham. Um, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't see that come in. There you go. Oh wow. Okay. Oh dear. I'm I'm in I'm in not in not even in two minds I'm in I'm in several minds, mm. but I don't know where we're gonna go, um mm. if we're gonna have Flynn Downs back or not, um whether we can get back into that winning mentality whether the the game plan's gonna work against every team like it has been well, I don't know whether so, we're gonna see so fascinating Harwood Bellis at right back again <laughs> <laughs> yeah watch this space um. So predictions league then on the discord, no change in the standings because everybody going for a win against Hull and everybody going for a win against Millwall, apart from one person. And that's not very slim, Jim, uh, who's been going against Saints all season. Um, he went for a whole win uh, and he went for a 2-1 Millwall win. So he actually got maximum points uh, in that one. So there's no change to the table and, and not very slim. Jim still remains bottom of the league. He's got a lot of catching up to do. Um, Super Six had three rounds. Round 37 was won by Adam Darlington and Andrew Knight on 14 points. Round 38 was Gavin Burgess and Ray Hunt on 14 points. Uh, round 39 was Tom Hennigan, 14 points. Um, overall leaders, Andrew Knight still on 342. 
Uh, fantasy football and gaffer chat. So no changes at all during this week. Uh, unfortunately, just uh, Tim Brucker still taking reins 50 points ahead uh, of me right now in second place. Moscow Mush coming up in third. Connor is in fourth and Ray in fifth place. Where, where's so. Tom Pickett doing in the channel? He is ninth place right now. But he's bottom of the league, now. yeah. He is not. The bottom of the league is uh, twelve. Is twelve. Fantasy football, Kevin. Um, yeah, my my team. I'll just talk about my team for a bit. Um, <laughs> fifty-three points. Although um, Hoyland is injured, isn't he? Yeah. So um, Dawson will come in. That get me sixty points. That's not a bad haul. Um, week before I triple captained Harland, and that kind of worked out for me. Uh, I got 82 points in total, and that leaves me in sixth in our Brothers League. So I've just overtaken a couple of people to 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 be within striking distance of Tim in fifth in the big league. I'm 70th. Oh dear, you dropped. How are you two doing? Tim's in 50th. So, you, yep, I'm 50th right now. You think that's bad? I, I'm 95th. 12 points. Cracking 12 points, yeah. There we have it. Another week down. Uh, next week, we have uh, Liverpool and Birmingham to go over. Uh, and Tim, uh, you'll bring us the flavour of Preston from St. Mary's. And we'll be hoping for a bit of revenge against Sunderland, also from St. Mary's. Uh, so, until next time, up the Saints. Yeah, up, up that direction. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Oh, my Southampton. Sports Social Podcast Network.